Go kill yourself. Today's episode, so you're stuck in a murder mystery. Introduction. Our parents in schools tried to teach us how to learn, grow, thrive, and survive. They teach us how to make friends, excel at work, and pursue our dreams. But when we find ourselves locked in a house with an unknown murderer on the loose, while our colleagues keep turning up dead, it seems like our parents and teachers have failed us. It turns out that this is just the first of many situations in which those we trust have let us down. How strange that this world itself is one big murder mystery where we are born without explanation and die only after accumulating more questions. Nobody knows who murdered our grandparents, our old friends, our dogs and cats. The obtuse murder mystery of life seems to have desensitized us to the more acute cases where a specific murderer is running amok and our only answer is to hide or call the cops. Allow me to present a third option. The option of independence, scrutiny, and excellence. Take my hand and let's explore that situation for which nobody has yet prepared you. Let's learn how to deal with being stuck in a murder mystery. Prevention and Preparation Prevention is nine-tenths of the law. Preparation is the other one-tenth. Government schools won't tell you this because they want you to walk haphazardly into dangerous situations where you have to call the cops. They want you to rely on police protection because that secures their psychological hold on your behavior. But there is a better way. The way of independence. First, don't be the killer. You can't always prevent a murder mystery, but you can often prevent your own involvement. The scenario in which it's easiest to prevent your involvement is a scenario where you were going to be the murderer. If you killed somebody, that would both A. Initiate the murder mystery and B. Guarantee your involvement in the mystery. In this situation, all you have to do is refrain from murdering anybody. You could do this by staying at home by yourself. Or if you do go out, just leave all your weapons at home. If you're psychotic, then take your meds and keep in contact with your doctor so they can recognize any signs that you might be heading towards a killing spree. If you can avoid killing anybody, then you've succeeded in preventing the mystery altogether. However, you must not go to extremes in your efforts to subdue your impulses. For example, you might say, If I kill myself, then I can't kill anybody else. But then there will be one dead body, yours, and somebody will need to discover the killer, who is you. Then you're double embroiled in a murder mystery that you can never hope to solve since you're dead. How ironic that the only witness is both killer and victim, and cannot divulge the truth. Second, don't get killed. Alternatively, you might be the victim of somebody else's bloodlust. Again, you might prevent the whole mystery if you can avoid being murdered. There are any number of tricks to employ, and I'll make a few recommendations now. First, wear protection. Kevlar vest, motorcycle helmet, shin guards, goggles, gas mask. It's still easy enough for a slick assassin to jab a penknife in your jugular, but it would deter the most crude killers and at least make their job more difficult. Visible protection says, I'm on to you and I'm no easy target. Also, carry some weapons to defend yourself. 
Of course, this does not contradict my earlier suggestion to leave your weapons at home, because in this scenario, you're not the killer. Or are you? More on this later. Stashing pepper spray and mace throughout your many pockets is often a good enough offense to provide a secure defense. Serrated knives and loaded pistols are even better. Thirdly, maybe you should stay at home. Sure, the killer may be lurking in your closet, but statistically there are always more killers outside your home than inside, and how do you know which one is your killer? Plus, you can fill your house with traps to capture the potential criminal, transforming a crime thriller like Panic Room into an adventure comedy like Home Alone. Your fourth and best option is surveillance. Record everything by transmitting a visual and audio feed to multiple remote servers. If you wear stickers to let people know they're being recorded, then the murderer may be deterred, choosing to murder a less prepared victim instead. These plans are not guaranteed to protect you, but they'll decrease your chances of being the victim. A really clever sociopath may weave his way through your defenses all while escaping identification, resulting in a really complex and stimulating mystery worthy of a 10-part miniseries instead of a mere two-hour film. But these geniuses are relatively rare, and honestly, they deserve the kill that they earned. For their average revenge or insurance murderer, or whatever dumb reason they're trying to kill you, these steps will be adequate prevention. Preparation is necessary when you are neither the victim, yet, nor the killer. Perhaps you're at a friend's house, playing poker and drinking beer, when somebody, let's call him Jacob, goes to the bathroom and doesn't return. Jacob's girlfriend, let's call her Louise, goes to check on him, only to find he's been disemboweled during a bowel movement. This is an instant murder mystery, but if you've come prepared, you can remove the mystery part as fast as possible. You've brought a magnifying glass, some fingerprint ink, a notepad and pencil, and some rope to tie everybody up until you've solved the case. Also, we'll just assume you've been recording everything, and you're loaded up with weapons. Use those weapons to coerce everybody into tying each other up with your rope. Of course, they'll assume you're the killer, and they might even turn on you. You might have to pepper spray them. But once they're all tied up and you haven't killed them, they'll see that you're acting with their best interests in mind. Now, you've secured the scene a little bit, and you've got the tools you need to solve the case. Thank God you came prepared. The Easy Solve You might already know who the killer is, and even if you don't, the crucial clue might be sitting right before your eyes. But how could you already know? Maybe the killer is you, but we already ruled that out in the previous chapter. If you're researching how to avoid a murder mystery, then presumably you would never kill somebody, unless you're reading this book is just a sad attempt at an alibi. Anyway, if you're somehow secretly the killer, we'll deal with that in Chapter 4, The Hard Solve. Maybe it was Thomas. You still might know who the killer is because maybe you noticed somebody, let's call him Thomas, went to get more beer while Jacob was shitting in the bathroom. Hey, the bathroom is in the opposite direction from the kitchen, somebody might object in Thomas's defense. But you also noticed a strange BMW with no license plates parked across the street when you arrived, and Thomas 
took just a little bit too long to get that beer. Perhaps he was signaling to his man on the outside, letting him know that this was the time to break into the bathroom and gut Jacob so that the two conspirators could split his insurance money. You deftly grope Thomas's pockets until you find his cell phone. You search through his contacts, finding the name of Jacob's business partner, let's call him Xavier, and some incriminating text messages. The crime is pretty much solved, and from here out, it's just car chases and fight scenes. You look at heartbroken Louise and wonder if there may also be a love scene. Sadly, it's not always that easy. Maybe the clues won't show themselves so clearly. Maybe you're not as observant as I thought. Maybe the killer is a little smarter than Thomas and Xavier. Chances are you'll have to use some elbow grease and really study the scene. Ask everybody questions after they're tied up. Try to catch them in lies and pit them against each other. Compare every piece of evidence. Break out the magnifying glass and fingerprint kit. Maybe the killer is still upstairs. This is the physical world and everybody leaves the trail. This motherfucker won't escape. Plot twist. But it turns out that this is not a regular murder mystery. This is one of those surreal murder mysteries with an unreliable narrator. And who exactly is narrating? Is it me or is it you? It's from your perspective after all. Aren't you the main character in this story? You might trick the reader into believing I'm the narrator by using the word you instead of me, but you can't trick me. Now, we're still no closer to finding the killer, so you're still in danger of being the next victim. But how can we make effective decisions when you've been keeping secrets about your role in this narrative? How much of your story has been true? How much has been a lie? Just what are you trying to hide? Who are you? I keep asking myself if you might still be a suspect perhaps even the prime suspect. We have to admit that it's pretty incriminating how you tied everybody up like that. Why didn't you call the cops? Shouldn't you be letting the professionals deal with this? Only the killer would avoid calling the cops, but no, that's crazy. I can't believe that you're the killer because... because I'm in love with you. That's right, I've always loved you. The more I try to hide it, the stronger it becomes. I can't stop thinking about you, but I know that Relationships aren't built on this kind of obsession. They're built on shared experiences and trust. So I'm reaching out to help you, to be your friend and earn your trust. But after everything that's happened, I think I have to admit that my feelings for you are clouding my judgment. I'm supposed to be helping you solve this murder mystery, but I can't even think clearly about one of the main suspects, which is you. Even if I knew you were the killer, I'd probably still deny it. You're so perfect. I can never be like you. It's strange how I want to kiss you and hold you, but I also want to be like you. I want to hold you in my arms, caress your face. I also want people to look at me the way they look at you. Your family is cultured, you're clever like your brothers, you've been to Europe. I'm just some dumb kid from the country trying to make it work in the big city. But then you came along and showed me everything I'm not, everything I could never be. I always struggled for financial stability, and I was proud of my moderate success, but you just glide in on heaven's breeze with that little smile. My jealousy is mixed with lust, and I think it's the contrast of those two frustrations that made me love you even more. Well, enough of that. We have bigger problems to deal with now. The killer might still be in the house, or they might be long gone. 
this isn't going to be an easy solve after all, and we're all emotionally exhausted. Uh, what's that sound? Is it sirens? Somebody must have dialed 911. It's not going to look good when they knock down the door and find you brooding over all these hostages, wearing a bunch of armor and carrying detective gear like you were expecting a murder to happen. You can't let the cops in here until after you've cleared your name and caught the killer. You can still get out of this in one piece, but it's going to get complicated. The Hard Solve It's time to get dynamic with your perspective on the available evidence. If the killer didn't leave any accidental clues, then he or she is meticulous and precise. That efficient cleanliness may be an indication of an obsessive personality, and maybe that obsessiveness will express itself in other ways. Clues. Check the crime scene for symbolism or religious iconography. Has the victim been moved into an intentional pose? Is the wound shaped like anything meaningful? Can you recognize any constellations among the arrangement of items in the bathroom? Bingo! The toothpaste on the rim of the bathtub, poor Jacob's bloody sneaker, a single curtain ring hanging on the shower rod above the toothpaste, the blue towel hanging from the door above the sneaker, and the light bulb between and above them on the ceiling. Together, they clearly form the constellation Libra. Our killer is a star worshiper. Perhaps a magician from ancient Egypt has returned through this Libra portal. Somebody used star magic to summon an ancient and magical killer. But who built the Libra portal? Who among your fellow suspects is learned in the arcane arts? And where is the summoned magician now? Has he returned to Egypt, or has his killing spree just begun? You head back into the living room to explain your hypothesis and confront the summoner. Somebody set up a trap so Jacob would trigger a Libra portal when he went to the bathroom, you tell them. An ancient Egyptian magician was thus summoned and cannot return until the marked man was vanquished. Nonsense, shouts Andy. It's the wrong season. Libra portals don't work tonight. That's not how it works, Louise explains. Only a Libra can set a Libra portal. Only a Libra like Jacob can trigger it, and only a Libra can be summoned. But you can set the portal any time. The one who is summoned will always be summoned when Libra is high for him in his time, but we can summon it any time in our time. How do you guys know so much about star magic, you rightly inquire? You were never into it before. They share an uneasy glance, but then the police began pounding on the door. Police, open up. That's when you notice Sagittarius, deftly constructed from footwear, thumbtacks, and framed photos on the wall and surrounding the entrance. Somebody has booby-trapped the door. Don't come in, you warn the cops, or you'll die. Your gut tells you that this story is quickly approaching its climax. You have tons of clues, but you just can't see how they fit. Maybe some shitty narrative technique will save you. Some deuce ex machina. Sorry, friend, but this is the real world. I'm not giving you a fish. I'm teaching you how to fend for yourself. Okay, fine. I did it. I murdered that fucker and set up the constellations to distract you while I called the cops. You're not the one I truly love. It's Louise. She's so beautiful. And Jacob never treated her right. I needed him out of the picture, and you're so gullible that you're just the perfect scapegoat. Who buys self-help books anyways? The easy to manipulate, that's who. Now that Jacob's gone, I'll be there to comfort Louise, and you'll be locked away in prison. 
Now the question is, what do you tell the cops? You're not going to get out of this one. The cops will knock down the door any second now, and they'll see you loaded up with suspicious gear and your friends all tied up. What are you going to tell them? That the narrator did it? Good luck with that one. Actually, maybe that's exactly what you should tell them. A psychiatric hospital is probably a better option than prison. Prison will eat you alive because you're so gullible and weak. Better to tell them the crazy truth than let them give you happy pills. Let's be honest, your life kind of sucks anyways, and you prefer to just let some doctors feed you pills and medicate your emotions. Consider it an early retirement. And here they are. Hands up. Don't do anything stupid to get yourself shot, and don't say anything incriminating yet. That's right, just let them put the cuffs on you. Their questions will come later. Just try to come to terms with this emotionally. Resolution slash calling the cops. Okay, so this chapter was supposed to be about how to wrap up the murder mystery and finally call the police, but that was just a red herring in the table of contents to make you think that this whole endeavor was honest and legit. I obviously couldn't give the chapter an honest title such as You're in jail and I've been fucking Louise. By the way, Louise and I are very happy together now, so that's kind of a resolution. Your sacrifice is appreciated. I would tell you to learn from this mistake, but I know that you won't. You keep buying self-help books because you think you'll finally learn to get a grip on life. But there's just a certain class of people who are built to be taken advantage of. This is the carnivorous cycle of life. It's because of people like you that we have happy pills, Jesus, and self-help books. You need to be comforted while you're consumed. Your whole life is basically palliative care. I'd like to stay longer, but I've got things to do. Books to write. I've got a romantic dinner planned for Louise this evening. I play that girl like a fiddle, just like I played you. But she likes my playing a lot more, for obvious reasons. It's not possible for me to end this on a positive note. Well, not positive for you. So I'm just going to savor this victory for one last moment before I walk away from you forever. There. That's enough. I'm satisfied now. Goodbye. Matt Payne writes satire, surrealism, absurd fiction, and psychedelic adventure stories. If you think this podcast is pretty great, you can support it by visiting my Patreon site at patreon.com slash helpyourself. Or you can buy my books at patmain.com. That's P-A-T-T-M-A-Y-N-E dot com.